that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. I've entitled this message, The Only Way to Live the Christian Life. Uh, so many people struggle sometimes in their spiritual life and, you know, what do I need to do more and what, what do I need to do in order to live out this life better? Uh, something's missing. People try all kinds of things to try to figure out what's missing maybe in their life to try to kind of add some things to it. And um, I think sometimes this is often forgotten. This, honestly, is like the beginning point of the Christian life. And honestly, as we think about a week of revival, um, I would say to revival, as my friend Les Ola would say, simply is obedience. And sometimes it's not going to brand new things where you're going, oh, wow, I've never seen that in Scripture. And sometimes we have those wow moments, don't we, where God teaches us something that we haven't seen before uh, in our walk with the Lord. But reality is so much of our spiritual life is being reminded of the past and being reminded of what God has done and living up to that. And so as I think about this, I think about a friend of mine, his, a guy named Adam Alley. He's a pastor down in Fort Lauderdale, Florida. I mean, he grew up in the Fort Lauderdale area. I met him in college. Adam was just a, one of these guys that influenced my life in a, in a serious way. I, when we came to, to join the, the, like the society that we were going to be joining in a college, kind of like a fraternity at the Christian college, I, I, um, I remember talking to him. He was, a, he was the leader of that group. And we told us, listen, if, we, if bad things are going to happen, we as freshmen, we'll walk out if we need to walk out during something like that because we want to serve the Lord. And we've, we've heard things about this society. We weren't really sure. And, um, and he, he said, no, 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 that's not the case. And there's some people in here that really desire to do right and walk with the Lord. He actually, uh, at the time was a carpentry major at Bobkins university. Uh, later God called him into the full-time ministry. Um, and he became a pastor. His uncle was the pastor of the church a guy named Jerry Williamson down in Fort Lauderdale area for a long time, Calvary Baptist church there. And, um, and since, Adam has taken the pastorate. The Lord has taken him through a journey, and he's there. I remember he would sometimes call me. He'd say things like this. He, I don't know. He always get my attention by things. He, you have any, any friends like that? So it's like, I don't know. Not very often I talk to him, but I'd say maybe once a year or something like that. And I hadn't talked to him in a while. And we're talking about spiritual things and spiritual life. And he said this. He, I remember making this comment on the phone to me one time that just took me so by surprise. He said, you know what's wrong with Christianity today? Do you know what's wrong with Christians today? And I'm like, what, Adam? I mean, because he's going to tell me, you know what I mean? And then he says this. He says, there are too many people living for Christ. I'm thinking, what? I kind of pulled the phone back. I looked at the phone kind of funny. And I put it back to my ear and I said, did did you say, I mean, could you say that again? Because I'm not sure if I really understood. He said, there's too many people living for Christ. And then he said it this way. Christ didn't ask you to live for him. He asked you to die for him. But, oh, now I know what you're saying. He's talking about full surrender. Really tonight, a simple, simple message to your heart and life um, about full surrender. The only way to live the Christian life. Let's pray and ask God's help. Lord Jesus, as we look at this and we look to you, we realize that you are the one who saved us and sanctifies us. Um, And praise God, we will be glorified.
But Lord, maybe there's somebody in this room who's never come to this, this spot in their spiritual life. And God, maybe some of us in this room need to come back to this spot of real surrender to you. Where it's not just part of us that you have, but it's all of us. Lord, what an amazing thing, because when you work in us, you work through us. And God, so often, again, it's not, it's just us getting in the way of you. And so, Lord, I pray that tonight you would stir us according to the passages of Scripture that we, we face and we look at. I pray that you would work in us, that you would fill me with your spirit, use us now And Lord, change us uh, by your grace. If there's somebody here today without Christ tonight, please, I pray, that they would be so under conviction from you, that dear God, that they would be so drawn to you, they, they need you. And I pray they'd get saved. Please, God, they would repent and trust in you. Uh, God, we thank you for all that you do. And again, we ask that you begin this work in us even tonight. Thank you, God, for what you're going to do in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. The only way to live the Christian life. What does Paul want? What is Paul telling you? Interestingly enough, after 11 chapters in Romans, and honestly, some people, as they preach through Romans, I mean, I, I, there's, there's a friend of mine who's preached through Romans, um, and this guy, I'm telling you, I don't know how many messages, hour-long messages the guy did. Some, I don't know, 200-plus sermons or something, working his way through Romans verse by verse. I'm going, that is crazy. And yet, unbelievable doctrine, serious truth in the book of Romans. And he gets to the practical session se- section really found in verse 12 and beyond. And so you've got 11 chapters that lead up to that with very few um, commands, honestly. And yet, and then there's something that we need to know in order to live this out. And so then as he, as he finishes off there, he says in verse, in verse 1 of chapter 12, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, What is Paul saying? He's saying, I'm begging you and I'm beseeching you. He's coming to them as a friend, as a loving friend coming around them and saying, listen, I'm imploring you. I'm I'm encouraging you here. He's not not saying I'm commanding you and I listen, I'm an apostle and you should listen to me. No, he's 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 encouraging them. He's begging them, brethren. These are to believers. He's speaking to the believers. And he says, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. And he tells you what it should look like, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. Now, wait a second. So, so what does God want from you and what does he want from me? Here's what he wants. Let me give you three things tonight, I think, that are so simple to see. One would be this. Number one, God wants this. He wants complete and total surrender of your whole life. I'm not waiting till Friday, or you know, I'd like you know, two weeks from now to tell you surrender your life. No, I'm I'm starting off on Sunday night saying, listen, here's what God wants, and it's so evident. God wants you to be fully surrendered to Him. He doesn't want part of you. He doesn't want a little spot over here. It's like, you know, in a house, it's like he, he wants the living room and maybe the dining room. No, he's asking for everything. And he has every right to demand it, too. And here's God saying, listen, complete and total surrender, a living sacrifice, your whole body. I would say not just your body. As you look at the passage here, you'll see you're not only your body, but you'll see your mind. You'll see your soul, everything about it. It's like all of you, your will. I mean, this is what God desires. Uh, this isn't a new concept, actually. Did you know that? It's not like not, Paul didn't dream it up. Paul wasn't like, whoa, look, yeah, let's teach something brand new that no one knows about. No, Jesus taught this. 
Take your Bible and, and actually go to John chapter 12. In John chapter 12, as we see this, I'm going to take us through a couple of scriptures just to see this tonight. John chapter 12, and we'll look in verse 24, but before we hit verse 24, we'll kind of back up to verse 23, I guess. It says, but Jesus answered them saying, the hour has come that the son of man should be glorified. John 12, verse 24 now. He says this, most assuredly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the ground and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it produces much grain. Now, he's saying this, and it's very under, we all understand this. The truth is, if the kernel of wheat that, that falls to the ground, if it doesn't ever die, it could never bring forth more fruit. And that's his whole point. And he's actually using this. He taught us there. He's illustrating this. And just a little bit, he's going to the cross. I mean, everything about this is the paradox of the Christian life. It actually, real life begins with death. I mean, that's... That is like something we don't want to do, honestly. It just shows how sinful our hearts are. We resist this. I mean, even naturally, sometimes it's not like we're really longing for death sometimes. I mean, we get too worldly minded, and so therefore we're not like Paul. And so, honestly, we don't even look for it that same way as Paul said, for me to live as Christ and to die is, is better. I can't wait to get there. It's, it's like that's the way Paul lived. But I look at this and say, okay, so Jesus taught this in John 12. He was shown of his, his own life going to be this example of it dying. And then if it does die, it can bring forth fruit. But if it doesn't die, it won't bring forth fruit. If you don't ever die to self, you'll never see Christ living in you and through you. Do you realize this? That's why it's the only way to, to really live this Christian life. Not only that, go to Luke. Go to Luke for a minute. Go back a couple of pages in your Bible to Luke chapter nine. Jesus taught this in, in some of his messages that are that are powerful and difficult as we study out some of these things. And I'd say difficult not in listening to, but in following and obeying. In Luke chapter nine, verse twenty three. He says this and he said to them all, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and what's the next word? Daily. You take up your cross daily and follow me, he said. That, that's why in one sense you're saying, okay, this does begin at salvation. I mean, isn't that true? I mean, when a person gets saved, you don't like partially repent. So you are turning to the Lord. You might not understand it all, but what has happened is, is when a person begins to understand his position in Christ, what happens? He does dedicate. That's normal. That's the natural thing. That's a true follower of Christ. The person who says, I want Jesus to save me, but I'm never going to give my life to him and everything too. That doesn't make any sense. That is, that is not biblical. doesn't make any sense. And yet you have people that do this. I prayed that prayer. Well, that's really nice that you prayed a prayer, but the prayer isn't what saves you. Jesus saves you. You've got to turn to Christ. And the truth is you're trusting Christ alone. And yet, what does God want? He wants all of you. So now he calls to this whole idea of, of cross-bearing. 
And like you said, it's like, you know, wearing an electric chair around your... I mean, in that day and age, it's the most cruel form. I mean, everything about it was so awful. A person could hang on a cross literally for days, okay, and agonizing over what's getting ready to happen. And yet, many times dying of, you could call suffocation. I mean, they would they get to the point where they really couldn't even breathe anymore. Their, their skin, um, and, and some of them, honestly, almost filleted alive. As they're hanging on a cross, eye level, many times you would walk by and you'd see this before you enter into the city. Very public. Public, very public display of, 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 of a person dying. And he's saying, you take up your cross daily. It's not a one-time thing in the past. But now it's an ongoing thing that Jesus called us to. He taught this. He taught it in John. He taught it in Luke. He taught it all throughout the Gospels. And I would say, not only did he teach us, but praise God, he modeled it. Aren't you thankful that Jesus died on the cross? Aren't you thankful? Because if without that, there would be no hope for you to be rescued from your sin. So the truth is, is with his death, it brought life. And yet what's interesting, you think about this. Paul taught this here in Romans 12. So go back to Romans 12 as we as we look there, because Paul, as he's calling us to this death, it's interesting because he's called us to total surrender, but he's really not telling us to die physically. Actually, Paul, he modeled this as well. And he's saying, listen, your life should be a living sacrifice. He's not saying, hey, go kill yourself. (laughs) He's saying, no, no, no. Your life is like a sacrifice, like the Old Testament, but but you're alive. So this is a living sacrifice. He's calling you to. And so it's your whole life. It's your whole body. It's all of you. And when you think about this, why should we offer ourselves as a living sacrifice? That's probably the question. Why, why should we? And Paul's referring this. Okay, it's interesting because he uses that word therefore. And we, anytime you find therefore in the scripture, you probably always ask the question, what's it therefore? You know what I mean? And so sure enough, it's there and it backs us up. It actually backs us up in, in many ways in the whole context of the first 11 chapters. Now, that's a lot. And I don't have time to do that. And you don't have time to sit here to listen to me to try to do that. And so we we think through the first 11 chapters and and what is he saying? It actually culminates in verse 36 of chapter 11. And as it culminates, notice as it finishes off, it says this. For of him and through him and to him are all things to whom be glory forever. Amen. Amen. It's saying everything consists from him and through him and we all should live to him. The whole idea is it's not about us. I like as my good friend Bob Roberts would say this. He's this big six foot eight guy and he would teach and preach to kids. And, and he's got this message he does. Uh, Joe Cop was so uh, so affected by this message. Joe Cop would actually many times say the same thing. But he would say, Bob Roberts would say, hey, listen up. It's all about God. He's preaching this to children to say, guys, to the kids, don't you get it? Life is not about you. It's all about the one who made you. We forget this so often. It's like, think about your daily tasks and what you do. So often it's not about God. He's not number one. No, it's about us. Even sometimes it's about us living for him. Again, that issue of us doing the living for him. You know, it's like, no, he wants us to come to that full surrender to him. But think about this. He made you for this purpose. Did you know that? I mean, 
one of the passages that we can take and take your Bible, go to Revelation chapter 4. As you turn to Revelation 4 for just a moment, you see this whole, again, why did he make us? He made us for his purpose and his glory. Revelation 4, 11. I love this. The throne room, it, what does it say? It talks about how the, verse 10, the 24 elders fall down before him who sits on the throne and worship him who lives forever and ever and cast their crowns before the throne saying, worthy are, you are worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power for you created all things and by your will they exist and were created. God made you. God made you for the single purpose to bring him glory. Isn't that amazing that that God in his kindness would would actually give you life. And what do we do? We don't. Well, so often we take what he's given us and we say, forget you, God. How how wicked. And yet as he's made us, not only has he made us, he's this, there's this unbelievable mercy. Notice, okay, go back to Romans 12. Okay, sorry, I can't keep pulling you back and forth, but here we go. Go back to Romans 12, because Romans 12, as he says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God. He's pointing us back to the mercies. What are parts of God's mercy? Now, again, it's, maybe it's wise just to take your little thing and just kind of stick it in there, okay, because you're going to keep going back to that. But go earlier in Romans chapter 8. Notice this. I mean, really, the truth is all of the first 11 verses or 11 chapters culminate in this. But but you look at Romans chapter eight and and we'll look at verse 26. We'll start there. It says, likewise, the spirit also helps our weaknesses. For we do not know what we should pray for as we ought. But the spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. And so it's something going on within us to God. Verse 27. Now, he who searches the hearts knows the mind of the spirit is because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. Man, that's an awesome verse. What's his purpose? Verse 29. For whom he for knew he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, that we might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom he predestined, these he also called, whom he called, these he also justified, and whom he justified or declared righteous, these he also glorified. He is saying, don't you get it? It's like God has been so merciful to you to give you the whole of salvation that God has given you justification. You know what that is? That's God declaring you who are a sinful person. He makes you righteous. He declares you righteous. Man, that is unbelievable truth. Again, as we said this morning, past, present, future sins all paid for because you have been justified. That's boom. Man, that's awesome. And then you've got the whole idea of, of who be justifies. He'll bring you all the way through to glorification. Man, that is exciting. That means that God will never let you go. He even tells you in John 10, he's got you in his hand. 
hand and, and God has you in his hand and no man can pluck you out of his hand. It's like he secures, eternally secures you all the way to glory, glorification. What's that? The very presence of known sin totally banished. It's gone. You new body. I mean, no, no sin, no more, no pain, no death, no, none of that. I mean, unbelievable truths. But there's that process in between that's called sanctification. And don't you wish it happened like this? In, in many ways, you could say this. When you look at salvation, justification is looking at in the past. He justified you. Glorification is looking at in the future. He will ultimately save you. Sanctification is, is God daily saving you. That doesn't mean that you have to go get re-get saved again today, you know, and go and say, dear Jesus, I, I need you to come into my heart and save me, you know. No, if you've been saved, he's begun that work in you, but he's going to daily now save you from your sin. That's that rescuing work every day that honestly, we all want the product, but none of us like the process. And that's just the nature of it, isn't it? Where we struggle and yet sometimes we're doing too much. Sometimes we're not doing anything, you know, it's like it's oh, and then God's at work in us and, and he's making us into the image of his son and this is difficult and this is hard and it hurts amen because in the end that's what's going on in the end actually that's what every true believer longs for too if you're a true believer you long for this i want to be more like christ anyone who calls himself a believer herself a believer and doesn't have a longing to be like christ you really should question if you've ever been saved because this is normal for a Christian. Again, it doesn't mean you long for trials in your life, but but it's really like, dear God, I just want whatever you want. I really do. I want to submit to you in this. And, and you have this mercy, this saving mercy, past, present, and future saving mercy. He has granted this to you. He made you. He's given you mercy. And that now, not only that, but it's the only logical thing for you to do to give your body now to him. You, you say, what are you talking about? Well, if you look at Romans 12 again, Again, he's saying, I beg of you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, and we kind of look at some of that, that you would present your bodies a living sacrifice. Now, again, he's arguing through the mind to them to think through this with their mind, to give themselves fully to the Lord, a living sacrifice. What should it look like? Well, remember, this is showing you worship in the Old Testament. What should a sacrifice look like? It should be holy. You wouldn't come in the Old Testament and bring a blemished lamb. I mean, what kind of blasphemy is that? You don't present your body to God and not let him change you. It's like doesn't make any sense. Now, in one sense, you don't clean yourself up to come to God. That's not how it works. But when you really come to God, he cleans you up and he keeps cleaning you up. And we need so much help all the time. Holy, acceptable. That's what's acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. Now, that's interesting. Reasonable service. Does anyone have another translation to hear what else it could say? Of who, has an, who has maybe another translation that doesn't say reasonable service, but it says something else? What does it say? Spiritual worship. That's one. Any other one? 
I mean, the whole idea, you say spiritual worship or reasonable service. Yes, because the service is a spiritual thing, isn't it? I mean, this is talking about, again, presenting like as the Old Testament of a lamb, giving it to. What is that? That's all worship. That was the whole point. So sometimes your spiritual service in worship. And yet it's logical. I mean, the word even comes where we get the word logical from this word. And so it's like you're reasonable. It's your only logical, natural thing to do. Actually, can I just say it this way? You You can't really truly worship God if you're not fully committed to him. If you come Sunday morning to the worship service, the truth is you don't worship unless you're presenting yourselves completely to God. Man, that changes things. So how many people on worship services all over this world this day have come there and not really worshiped? Worship begins with the complete giving of yourself to God as a living sacrifice. You can never truly worship God until you do this. This is where it begins. Let me ask you a question. Is your life a living sacrifice? Are you completely and totally surrendered to him in as far as you know how and know what? You just say, dear God, I'm giving you everything. You've got my mind, you've got my heart, you've got my future, you've got my house and my vehicle, you've got my family. Dear God, my whole life, I yield to you completely. I want what you want. How often does that happen on a worship service? And the truth is, this is the way we should live all the time. It's the only logical way of true worship. But again, we can't really worship. This is what God demands. He demands all. There's no way true worship can happen without full surrender. We need to totally surrender. And so we come to that point, And yet God has taken us always to deeper levels of surrender. So you may have been surrendered again in the past. But God has wanted to take you to even greater levels of surrender. And the truth is, as we yield to this, what does it do? It, it really does. It makes us more and more happy. I mean, talk about the joy and the peace, which is so backwards. We think if we give God everything, no, he's going to make me really miserable in life. He'll probably make me go like to a mission field or something. And I'll hate life and I'll have to eat bugs or I mean, it's really weird how we think that God doesn't know who made us does not know what's going to make us the most satisfied. Isn't that crazy? And yet, actually, when a person finds their greatest joy and satisfaction in him, the truth is he's most glorified in that person. It's amazing what he does to a person who just fully surrenders and is constantly surrendering. So, yes, number one. Complete and total surrender. I've got this cord out of my head. Um, total surrender of your whole life. Number two. Whoa. Here we go. Ready? Number two is this. God wants a clear distinction from this world. Man, this is not popular. This is not popular. Look at verse two. 
So as you present your bodies, okay, and in one sense, it's a one-time presentation of the past with ongoing results. You could all even say that. But you got verse 2 where it says this, and do not be conformed to this world. Do not be conforming yourself to the world. Now, wait a second. What is, that can mean so many things, can it? And it can be seen in so many venues. It's like you think about this within a church. How does that look? Can we be so conformed to this world? Yes. And it can be in exterior things and interior things. I would say in the past, maybe you'd say in our world, so often it was focused on everything exterior. Therefore, you have all these people that are doing all the right things, but their heart's so far from God. And yet you look at this and he's telling us, what does he want? He wants a clear distinction from this wicked world that we would be holy people. What is holy? It's set apart from sin unto God. That's different. There's nothing like this in this world. That's why, honestly, when the world would look at us and see us, they should see a difference. Doesn't mean you have to look and try to be really different in front of people. You know what I mean? Where you're, you're, you're trying to be odd. Um, God's called me to be different, you know, and, um, that's not, he's not calling you to be odd. He's, he's saying that your life because of your relationship to him should, should, should so affect everything you do. Actually, because of my walk with God, guess what it does? It affects my attitude. I am different from a lost world and I should be. Um, what I say should be totally different from a lost world. Because if you hang around a lost world consistently, you'll find out what they talk like and what they say. And where does that all come from? Again, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So the truth is, we should be different in what we say, in our mindset, what we think about, what we do, how we live, how we worship. It should be different. It's all because we've got this heart of overflowing before the Lord. Isn't it interesting? Because it's almost like we live in a world that's so, even with Christians, it's so long to be like the world. Honestly, it's, it's, it's really not. I, I don't think that our, I don't, I, I think that the truth is, I wish I could say that we as a church so affect our world, but it seems so opposite like our world so affects the church. So you look at this and say in your own life, is there a clear distinction from this wicked world? Because it's telling you, don't be forced into the mold of the world. This will happen naturally if you're not careful. So what should you do? Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. God wants us to be different. He wants us to look different, to act different, uh, to speak different. Now, hold your spot here again and go to Ephesians 5. In Ephesians 5, verse 1. As we see what he says in verse 1, he says, Therefore, Ephesians 5, 1, Therefore, be imitators of God as dear children. And he tells you, And walk in love as Christ also has loved us and given himself for us, an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling aroma. Sacrifice, worship, Jesus did. And as this was a sweet smelling aroma to God, notice he's talking about what real love is. And this is interesting because our world does not know what real love is. But but watch this real love. And then he contrasts it with Christ giving himself as a sacrifice, sweet, sweet smelling to the Lord. I mean, everything about this is a is an aroma to God that pleases God. You look in verse three, though, he says, but. 
He's contrasting something. But fornication. That's where we get our English word for pornography. Sexual sins, it's talking about. And all uncleanness. That's even the idea of of immoralities too. And sinfulness, it's again, this uncleanness or covetousness, always desiring more greediness. Let it not even be named among you as is fitting for saints. True believers should never live that way. That's not love. That's what our world says is love, isn't it? Which is so interesting because it's totally opposite of God's love. That's not what love is. He says neither filthiness nor foolish talking nor coarse jesting or which are not fitting, but rather giving of thanks. For this you know, that no fornicator or unclean person or covetous man who is an idolater. Notice that, all of those things. Do you realize that immorality is simply idolatry? Immorality is greediness, saying, I will have this, and I don't care what God says, I will do it. I want what I want. You look at this and says, all of this, notice what he says, that no fornicator or unclean person, nor covetous man who is an idolater, that's all idolatry, has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. And let no one deceive you with empty words because of these things. For the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Therefore, do not be partakers with them. Don't go that direction. No, your children is light. Verse 8. For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. Talks about the fruits of the Spirit and all goodness, righteousness, and truth. Finding out what is acceptable to the Lord. I mean, all of this, again, the idea of presenting your bodies, a living sacrifice, holy. It's a clear distinction from the wicked world. Don't be forced into the mold of the world, but instead you be transformed. Now go back as we kind of get close to finishing off here with point number three is this. Again, complete and total surrender God wants. Clear distinction from the wicked world God wants. Constant renewal of the mind God wants. What's this? Well, this is like, okay, so so you're not being conformed, but instead you are being transformed, metamorphosized. This is the picture of Christ who actually is transfigured. He's transfigured before those those three, you know, as they see this and they're, they're, whoa, it's like it's just this transformation of glory. You're going, wow, what? That is crazy. And it's that it's like in our mental understanding, it's a caterpillar that makes a cocoon and comes out a butterfly. You're going, that's called transformation. That's. Serious metamorphosis going on, okay? And God wants you to be metamorphosized, transformed by your mind being renewed. So for a Christian, what does that mean? That means that means putting on the mind of Christ. That means you are serious about the word of God in your life. I think about John 17, 17, where Jesus says, sanctify them through thy truth. And then he says this, thy word is truth. It's the word that sanctifies us. It sets us apart from sin unto God. And it happens on a consistent basis as we are consistently opening ourselves up to this. Actually, the Bible teaches in 2 Corinthians 3, 18, how we're transformed from glory to glory. One realm of glory to another realm of glory. Why? Because we're beholding our faces in a glass. It's like we are, we are so taking the scriptures and we're in it. And we're letting God change us by showing us who we are and who he is. And what should the response be? Dear God, change me. But we live in a world where 
Christians don't want to surrender their whole life. They don't want to be distinct from a wicked world. And they don't want this constant renewal of the mind. Oh, no, give me some things. But I I mean, come on. It's like Monday night. I mean, whew. I mean, like Sunday morning. Yeah. Um, but for a believer who really wants to walk with the Lord, the only way to live the Christian life is total surrender. It's just coming to that point where you go, dear God, I give you my heart and life all once again. And interesting, isn't that not just the soul? Because he saved you. He saved your soul, praise God. But it is the body. But the truth is, it's it's like that body. If you're not careful and you're not constantly surrendering the body and the mind, what will happen is that mind starts to wander and starts to go different directions. And you're having to constantly train that and pull it back. No, 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 no. I will think on things that are pure and honest and lovely and just by the power of the Lord. Dear God, change my mind. You have it. I'm giving it to you. I'm surrendering. I want you to constantly renew me through the word. Make me new. And isn't this what happens when you're in the word? And it all begins. But the tr- problem is this. If you don't surrender yourself completely, you'll never experience this. Um, I go back to my own uh, life. I, I, I grew up in South Carolina. I grew up in a Christian home. But honestly, I didn't get saved. Uh, I got saved as an elementary school student, I guess you could say. And, and the Lord, I mean, just I knew I needed Jesus to save me. Um, when that happened, honestly, that night I got saved. I don't think I was saying Jesus saved me from some things, but don't save me, save me from the other things. I think I really was just saying, I give you my heart and my life. I just surrendered to you uh, as far as I knew. Um, I struggled with that. I, I don't know if I really counted the cost real well, even at that time too. I just, you know, and then here I am as a uh, junior higher and I'm struggling. I mean, I'm really struggling. I'm like, I think everyone's out to get me because... <laughs> I was living in sin, and yet everyone else's everyone else had the problem. I didn't have any problems. I'm fine. Leave me alone. You know, it's like uh, ninth, tenth grade. It's it's really rough. It's honestly, uh, I don't know. I should have gotten kicked out of my. I went to a Christian school. I should have got kicked out of Christian school. Uh, I, again, I was angry. I was upset. I was running from God. I was not fully surrendered. Uh, the Lord starts to work in on my heart. I start seeing friends uh, who started to sell out for Jesus. And and can I just tell you what that did to me? That brought conviction in my heart. You know what conviction is? It's the guilt of God. So I'm starting to feel guilty because I'm doing wrong. And what's God doing? If actually, if I would have responded at that moment to his guilt in my life and humbled myself, he would have begun that transformation. But I wasn't doing that. Actually, I was resisting this. Um, God, at times, my junior year of high school, I, 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 was, I was getting closer. I, I, in one sense, I was like, okay, God, I probably shouldn't have this. I mean, so it'd be like, even like, okay, even like something like my own music that I would have to, I'd be like, okay, well, okay, this is filled with like curse words. So that, that I probably should not listen to that, that, that recording, that cassette. <laughs> um. Some of you, some of you aren't even sure what that was because you're still on eight tracks. If you know what I'm talking about, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, no, no, it's really old. Okay, so, um, but it's like, so here I am, kind of giving stuff to the Lord. I mean, just different things in my life. It's like compartmentalizing things. Okay, God, no, you can have this, and um, but but this, don't like that. Okay, but but here I'll give you some over things over here because that's really bad, and I I shouldn't do that. But I don't want. No, but no, 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 not this, not my life. Um, isn't it amazing how God has a way of getting our attention? And 
Uh, you know, for me, honestly, uh, everything I went after, it seemed to like I would get in the sense of like, it's like, okay, so here I am in sports. Honestly, I would compete in sports and I would win. But I would always come up short, if you know what I mean. Something's missing. Life's not about sports. Um, I, it's like relationships. <laughs> it's like, you know what? Some of you, you really, you live for people. You live to please people. And if, and if you don't have people in your life, your life falls apart. It's like, you know, but it's like all about people and, and uh, trying to please. And, and so here I am, I'm trying, and then it's like, then I have friends and it's like, and then it's like, well, it's roller coaster, you know, ups and downs. And, uh, uh, he is hard, especially as a teenager. You know, uh, you know, like facing this. And then it's like, then it's like relationships. It's like I go after relationships. And again, I'm, it's like, it's like, you know, I, if I could just date the best looking girl ever, I'll just be happy. I'll just, it's like I'm, I'm going after everything, and I'm just so coming short. I, I remember the weekend before uh, the Lord got a hold of my life. Um, I, we were on a family vacation in, in uh, Charleston, South Carolina. And um, some a cousin came up from Florida. A cousin I haven't seen in a long time, but we were close. It's like we could always talk and things. Well, anyway, he was there, and, and I'm talking to him. And at some point, and again, he's not a believer, he says something like this. Hey, Jeremy. How do you know that when you die, you would go to heaven? I mean, that's like a, a softball pitch. up close, Maybe a t-ball, maybe just a big kid's t-ball pitch, you know, right there. How do you get to heaven? <laughs> and I say, well, you got to believe in Jesus and... Uh, And that's all I could really tell him. I remember I'm trying to sleep. And he's in the same room. And I'm thinking, dear God, I should have been able to just give him a clear presentation of a gospel, but I can't even do that. I'm driving three and a half hours um, to Greenville and almost all the whole way, I'm going, God, forgive me. My cousin might die and go to hell. And I couldn't even share the gospel with him. That's what God did just before I went to camp. <laughs> so then I get to camp. And uh, it was a two-week program called CIT. Camper in training to be a counselor. Okay. <laughs> The preacher asked right from the beginning, how many of you out there, if God were to work in your heart, would be willing to respond to God? Just right now, why don't you just slip your hand up and, and even kind of surrender that to the Lord that you would actually, if he speaks to you, that you would respond to him. I was so sick of everything in my life. Honestly, it's like the Lord had just so orchestrated things that I just went... Um, he starts preaching like, man, my mom must've called 
told her of everything. I'm like unbelievable. I'm like, I got to get some things right. I mean, it's like, so that night I'm like, as he preached on certain things, I did. I surrendered some things. I'm like, oh, okay, great. Okay, I got things right. I'm like, I, I must be right with God. And then the next morning he preached on something different. I'm like, oh, man, I got to get those right. And I was getting things right. And then it's like literally by about the midweek of that first week, it's like it's dawning on me. I, I keep giving God things, but I'm not really, I'm not coming to the point where I just say, here it is. And so I remember the night when I came and I just said to the counselor, a guy named Dan, I said, listen, I, I'm coming because I need to surrender my whole life. And he said this, Jeremy, that's great. That's the way it should be. So what about your life is not surrendered? That was a great question. So I started telling him different things about my areas of my life that I knew of that were not surrendered. And he said, well, then why don't you give it to the Lord and surrender it? And you know what? That night I did. Can I, can I just tell you this? It, there is a peace that the world does not know. You'll never, and, you, and even as a believer, you, you don't experience that peace and joy until there's a complete surrender. And yet so often we keep, we, we keep jumping off the altar. You know what I mean? No, I'm a living sacrifice. Get back on. You know, it's like, and again, the struggles that we face, but, but you do. And you realize, okay, dedication, if that happened to me, it's, it's not a one-time thing. But again, it's this daily submission to the Lord and who he is and letting God work. And as you live this way, this is where everything springs out. I mean, the truth was, it's like I would read the Bible beforehand and I would get little to nothing, okay? Because I was holding on to things. But isn't it amazing? when you really confess your sins, forsake it, and say, God, here it is. Whatever you want, I'm just surrendering again to you. And when you do that, what happens? The word starts to come alive in your life. God is at work in a life that's that's surrendered and, and fully given to him. That's the people who God really seems to use. Now, God can use anything. He can use rocks to cry out. You know what I mean? But he delights in using those pure vessels that he keeps making pure as we humble ourselves before him and walking to him and going before him. It's a living sacrifice. It's like at that point I thought, you know what? There's a lot of things that need to change in my life. And honestly, there's still a lot of things that God is changing in my life. He's not through with me yet, praise God. Not only that, there's this constant renewal of the mind. I'm so thankful. At that point, I remember talking to that counselor and I said, I want to dedicate. He said, do you read, do you read the scriptures? I said, I mean, occasionally. I said, but I'm going to. He said, well, then why don't you just start off something simple like read a chapter in the New Testament every day. Before you ever do, just say, dear God, speak to my heart. I want to know you. And as God speaks to you, obey it. And just and just live that. And it, just simplicity, one to three chapters, I started doing this. It's like, man, that, can I just tell you, daily time in the word of renewing of my mind, it, it, it's God is bringing this constant renewal and praise God, again, like I said, he is not through with me and he's not through with you. So here's my question as I say all this to you. At this moment, okay, so don't tank on me. Here we go, ready? The question is this as we culminate. At this moment in your spiritual life where you are, can you honestly say your life is a living sacrifice? Where you're just giving it wholly to God. It's your reasonable, it's your normal way of worship. It's just, God, here it is again. I surrender again to you. I dedicate again to you. I give you myself. 
And don't be conformed to the world, but you're being transformed by the renewing of your mind. God, help me. I'm so prone to go to worldly things. Rescue me from that. And I want to run to you daily, God. And as you're being renewed in your mind, what is it you're proving? You're actually putting on display what is that good and perfect and, um, and, um, and will of God. Is, I mean, that's what it is. God's will is, what is it? It's, it is perfect. It is good. It's holy. It's, it's right. It's, it's God's will. This is where the Christian life begins. It's the only way to live it. If you're saying, no. I'm not giving him my life again. I'm not going to, re- I'm not going to, no. Then I'm so sorry. You're going to miss out on the greatest blessing it is to know God. You miss out. And the truth is, is God will do what it takes. If you're truly his child, he'll do what it takes to take you to that point of surrender again. He loves you. He doesn't want you. He wants to, he wants to bless you that you would know him in an intimate and true way. And so he, that's why he doesn't let idols. He's like, no, 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 no idols. No, I, it, that's, fo- I mean, seriously, how stupid that is. That is, that's our lost world going after all the stuff. Look at the waterfall. No, look at the one who made the stinking waterfall. You know what I mean? Like, let's, let's put this all in perspective that we could actually know and walk with God. So I look at you tonight, and I'm, just, I'm actually calling us tonight to full and total dedication to the Lord and a constant renewal. I don't know where you are, but actually I'm kind of drawing this line in the sand and saying, come on, step over and give yourself fully to him. Let's pray. Father, as we think about these truths tonight, the life that you modeled, the life that you taught, is a life that really is a, a life where we die to self. And when we do this, Lord, if we just abide alone and we don't die, there's no real fruit. But Lord, when we come to that point of death to self and giving of ourselves to you fully, it's amazing what you do. God, that you can use any of us is so amazing. And that you desire to work in us because of your great love for us. God, I pray tonight there would be those in this room who would actually fully submit, surrender their life as far as they know before you. That they would long to be conformed into your image and not this world. That because of that, the only way that's going to occur is if we are constantly having our minds transformed. And God, that That happens through you and the word. So, God, I pray that we would get back to the very core of the Christian life, total dedication, full surrender. With our heads bowed and our eyes closed tonight, I wonder who would say, Jeremy, I'm here tonight, and I'll be honest. Where I am tonight is I think I can say I really believe I'm fully dedicated to the Lord. As far as I know, my life is a living sacrifice. I I am seeking to be... um, not conformed to the world, but actually transformed daily. I just, I really, by the grace of God, I, I, I feel as though I am full surrendered, Jeremy. That's where I am right now. And you'd slip your hand up to that. Jeremy, I think I really am as far as I know. Okay. And you can put your hands down. A handful. But isn't this the only way to live the Christian life? So the truth is, if God is showing us areas where we're not fully committed or dedicated, he is showing us our idols. 
That's idolatry. Anything other than full surrender is idolatry. And actually, as God has kind of shows us these things, we just, hopefully, we as believers, we just respond. We just say, dear God, take away my idols. God, deliver me from myself and from this wicked world. And God, I want my mind renewed. How many tonight would say, Jeremy, I'm not really surrendered? Uh, or there are areas of, of my life that God has shown me that's not surrendered? And tonight, I do want to surrender my heart and my life to him. And you just slip your hand up as a testimony, Jeremy, I want that. I really do as a Christian. Amen. Many of you here. Many of you. And I would say this too. Honestly, all of us naturally should cry out to the Lord this way and say, dear God, I give you my heart again. Dear God, I give you my life again. That means constant renewal of the mind. I am, and I, it means not being conformed to this world. God, keep transforming me. Keep changing me into your image. Honestly, this is, this is where it begins. And so tonight, invitation-wise, I mean, maybe you're here tonight without Christ. And if you're without Christ, he, he's saying, die to self and let me live in and through you. It, it begins, you could say, maybe really at salvation, where as far as you know, you're giving your life to Christ. But it just, it never stops there, does it? And so is there anyone here tonight who would say, Jeremy, pray for me because I'm not a true Christian yet. I've not been saved yet. As a, I, I need to get saved. I'm not saved yet, but please Pray for me tonight. You'd slip your hand up. I know to pray for you tonight. Pray for me, Jeremy. I'm not saved yet, but I need to be. I need to be. If that's true of you too, I would encourage you that you would respond and say something to one of us. Okay, we want to be able to show you from the Bible what that means. Don't leave here, please, without Christ. Tonight, as we've heard this, I'm not going to invite everyone forward, but I think in our hearts before the Lord, as my wife plays, that we should surrender. So would you do that now? Maybe some of you that feel... The ability to do this and can, maybe you do want to drop to your knees where you are, honestly, and just say, God, I give you my heart and my life again. I just surrender to you. I just want you to have everything. I don't want to hold back. I realize this is the way the Christian life is supposed to be lived. And and God, forgive me for how idolatrous I am. God, change me. Change me into your image. Then how many would say, Jeremy, as a, as a Christian, honestly, I, I struggle being, having my mind constantly renewed through the word. Um, Jeremy, pray for me about that. I'm not real consistent. Uh, maybe you'd say, in the word, and, and I want to be. Or maybe my word time has been really shallow, Jeremy. I just pray for me about this as I would renew my mind daily. And you just slip your hand up. Pray for me. Yeah, yeah, a lot of you. But you know that begins with that full surrender which allows the life to actually spring forth through the word into you and through you. Man, it's amazing. Father, thank you so much for just a challenge tonight to give ourselves fully and completely to you. And God, I pray that that would be the case as we leave here tonight. And as we go home, as we go to bed, as we wake up in the morning, everything about it where we're constantly surrendering ourselves and coming back to the core of dying to self, dying daily, that you can actually live in and through us in an amazing way. God, thank you so much for all that you do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Pastor.
Amen? Amen. I don't know about you, but I think I'd be scared to death to say no to God. How about you? You just don't do that. Now, if God spoke to your heart, and, and really, we all need to be honest with ourselves, isn't that right? So when we have an invitation like this, it's, and you say, you know, there's that area. I recognize that area. And that would be the Holy Spirit showing us that area. So let's make sure we deal with it. You know, to uh, beseech you to be a living sacrifice, he actually, that commitment there is a one-time commitment. And I'm glad I made that when I was 16 years of age. And I've never regretted it. Never regretted it. Never regretted it. But then that living aspect is actually in the present. So you make the decision, but then you've got to go out and those things become now the practice of your life from the decision that you made. So as we go our separate ways tonight, may God help us to whatever he showed us on our hearts, that we will go out with the idea that, you know, there's something maybe I do need to surrender and then to live out that that decision that I've made. And let's go out and live what God tells us to do. Amen and amen. Be back tomorrow night at 7 o'clock, 6.30 is the pre-